Hello and welcome to Five Alive. It's another beautiful day here in Chandigarh, Mahali, Punjab. Today we're going to be discussing John chapter 14, verses 12 through 18. And these are some things that Jesus is teaching us before he prepares to go to the cross, before he is uh, going to be betrayed by Judas, before the Roman centurions come and take him and beat him. These are the things that Jesus says to his disciples. And Xavier is going to read for us John chapter 14, verses 12 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it is neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is the reading of the word of the Lord. So Jesus starts off after he says that no other way can you come to the Father except through him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He says, if you believe in me, you automatically believe in the Father who sent him. He then goes on to say, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and do greater works than these. Basically, he's talking about the miraculous signs that he has performed, miracles. So I'm just curious, what do you think of whenever we talk about miracles? I believe in miracles. <laughs> just an extraordinary event, according to the dictionary. Okay, an extraordinary event. In the movie The Incredibles, Mr. Incredible is getting out of his car and he slips on a skateboard and he grabs a hold of his car and picks it up and looks at this little boy on his tricycle and he says to him, or power wheels, and he says to him, what are you expecting? And the little kid goes, I don't know, something incredible, I guess. I mean, people expect something incredible, but what is a miracle? I'm Are not, you looking for a miracle? Apparently. Are you ready, Are you ready for, for someone to set you free? The miracle is an answer to the question it, of what do you think of it, when I say miracle? Want it? Want it? Are, Are you ready, ready for, for a miracle? miracle? Ready as I can be. <laughs> ready. Ready. I'm ready for a miracle. Ready. Ready. Ready for a miracle. Are you ready? Are yeah. you ready? Yeah. <laughs> In the Bible, usually whenever people, you know, whenever those people that, um, the person that their daughter, that they thought their daughter was dead and she, and Jesus said that he was, that she was just sleeping. Uh -huh. And whenever he made her come back to life, mm -hmm. he said, it's a miracle. Yes. Which means like, oh, this is really good. Yeah, absolutely. Can miracles occur today in 2021? Yes. Who said they can't? Can't. Who said they can't? I don't know. That's why I said who said they can't. I'm asking you, <laughs> can a miracle occur today? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All kinds of people say a miracle can't happen today. Scientists, in fact, say there's no such thing as miracles. The miraculous is impossible because it can't be proven, so therefore there's no such thing as miracles. Except for even miracles even happen certain times for those people, those professionals as well. And how do they describe that? If 
you can't scientifically prove it, then did it really happen? But then it did happen. So it doesn't make any sense they're denying it. Have you ever witnessed a miracle? And if yes, yes, yes. please elaborate. I think, uh, yeah, it is a miracle for me because when I was small, I, I was doing a puja and, you know, Agarbati. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's called in English. So I was uh, doing that, like with that Agarbati, and I just hit my head off it and it's burned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then when I came to in Christ, and I have prayed that God, I don't need the mark on my head because it looks so weird on me. So I pray about it and I took the oil, mm -hmm. the mustard oil, and, and we are praying, sitting on the salvation home. We are sitting on the ground and we all are praying and we just pray for, uh, we have taken that oil in our hand and we are praying for that oil and God will be healed. Uh, so God healed me. So yeah. it's a miracle for yes, me. Definitely. Yeah and it's gone and it's gone yeah absolutely yeah of course miracles happen still to this day even in 2021 and a miracle that comes to mind is when i was small my family and i we got into a a wreck and it totaled our car so therefore we didn't have a car my mom didn't have the capabilities of being able to purchase a car and so my brothers and I, we were both in sports, actively involved in sports and in school. And my mom had work every day. And then we had other responsibilities to do throughout the days. And so for nine months, we never went without a car. Uh, there was always someone that would come by the home and they would pick us up and take us to our sports meetings and our sports games. Uh, there were uh, neighbors that would come by and uh, take my mom to work and some neighbors didn't even they had their license but they didn't even feel comfortable in driving but there was a, a vehicle that was sitting out there in their driveway and they would call my mom saying I'm going to come pick you up today and take you to work and then there were times that people would loan us their car for a week or um, sometimes they would loan us their car for a month it just depended and the overall miracle of it was is we were never without transportation. We always had a way to get to go to the grocery market in order to buy the groceries. We always had a way to, like I said, for my mom to attend work or if we missed the school bus and were, or were unable to get to school, there was always a way. And that nine-month period was truly just a time of full reliance on Christ Jesus but the miracle of it was, is he always supplied. He saw the need and it was right there in front of us. Absolutely. One that happened in my own life, I don't remember very well because I was so little, is when I was around 18 months old, I broke my femur bone. And that is the hardest bone in your body to break. And in doing that at such a young age, the doctors had already said that I should not be able to walk properly. My leg one leg should be shorter than the other. I'd have to be confined to a wheelchair for the rest of my life. And I don't remember it very well because I was really little. Yeah, hold on. You dislocated your knee as well. I also, and I also dislocated my knee. It was a really bad injury. But through the prayer of my parents and pastors and others, through the prayer of everybody that prayed for me, God healed me and I am six foot 
floor and have level legs and am able to walk completely normally and run and play sports, which doctors said wouldn't even be possible. God provided the ability for me to be able to walk. Without going to a physiotherapist, without going to yeah. a, a, a chiropractor or some other kind of specialist, specialty doctor, there is only the surgery to put everything back into place mm-hmm. uh, that happened and the rest we left to God. Yeah. And he healed you. I can remember a time when I was young, just coming to Christ. I was I was 15 years old. I had just come to Christ and there was a, a boy that had started coming to our church. He and his mom didn't really believe in God, but they started coming to the facility, the church building that we were at, just curious about who God is. And as a result of everyday life, going to work, going to school, etc. They met with a bad car accident where a dump truck smashed into the side of their car and hit the sun. Um, he was thrown across the car, even though he had a seatbelt on, the seatbelt broke. He was thrown across the car. His mom was very badly hurt and they were in the hospital. And I can remember hearing about that, going to the hospital and talking with my youth pastor and my senior pastor And they said, yeah, come on into the room. We're going to pray. And I laid hands on this young man and prayed for him. And his arm, his legs, and his ribs were all healed at that moment whenever I laid my hands on him and prayed for him to the point where they were getting ready to set his arm and his leg, both of his legs into casts. They were also going to wrap his ribs Yet when the doctors came in and saw that he was completely healed, he ended up getting discharged later that night. And that was a complete and total miracle that we witnessed right there in the hospital room. Can't can't make that kind of stuff up because it's totally documented. There's x-rays, there's proof of it nonstop. There's the ability to see God's miraculously hand working in that regard. Now, does that mean every person that I've ever prayed for that's had a broken bone or has had cancer or has had sickness has gotten healed? The answer to that is no. And I think that's where the scientists or those who want to disbelieve who God is come into play and they uh, bring doubt into our minds because what they do is they say, well, there's no proof of the existence of miracles because we can't scientifically prove it. And instead, maybe it's this or maybe it's that that transpired. Like I can think of one of the miracles from the Old Testament. I remember hearing them say when the Israelites crossed the sea and they crossed on dry ground, maybe it's because at that time there was a drought. And so there was just a little bit of water and the Israelites crossed through this great, what would normally be a sea or an, a, a big amount of water larger than a lake, but yet small, uh, larger than a river, yet smaller than the ocean. And they crossed through on dry ground. And the reason it happened is because there was a drought. Yet what they forget is, is that the rest of the miracle of the people in the book of Exodus crossing over on dry ground is, is that once they reached the other side, Pharaoh and his army were then drowned in the sea. So by saying maybe it was a drought and they crossed over, then the miracle, because if it was a drought and they crossed over on a little bit of water and they made it to the other side, then the miracle would be that God caused Pharaoh and all of his army to drown in a little bit of water. There's still a miracle either way that we look at that story. 
The miracle to me is, is that God is doing things in Scripture throughout Jesus's teaching, throughout his ministry. He is performing miracles where we see lame people walk. We see blind people see. We see those who are emotionally dead come alive. Those who are physically dead come alive. We see him pray for uh not just people, but for loaves and fishes to be multiplied. We see him pray for a storm to be calmed. We see him pray for waves to no longer be big and huge and causing fear. We see Jesus cast out fear in people. We see him do all kinds of things. And out of all of these miracles, Jesus says in the passage of scripture that we just read today that you can and will do even greater works than these that I have done. And so what are these works that we can be doing as a conduit, as a vessel of God, as a vessel of Christ for others? What are some of those things that we have the opportunity to do? Well, I think that those are found in two different passages of Scripture as well as many others, but we're going to look at two passages of Scripture today, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 9, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. These are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As we saw at the end of what Xavier read for us today in John chapter 14, we see that Jesus is going to provide for us a helper, the Holy Spirit, and these are the abilities, the giftings that he gives us the opportunity to possess. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 9. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we thought many from one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generous. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it, do it cheerfully. These are all gifts of the Holy Spirit that we have possession of, but these aren't ones that we always look at as important, miraculous gifts. Think about this. One of, them, one of the most miraculous things that we can do is to be merciful to people. Yet when we ask about I want a miracle or somebody makes a demand for a miracle is mercy. Sometimes what they're thinking of, sometimes it could be, but most of the time it seems like what people are looking for is a huge sign. Like I want to be healed. I don't want this sickness. I want a million dollars. I want a sports car. I want a fancy house. When they say those miracles are fixed, then they will believe in God. But what if the miracle that God has granted you is mercy? What if the miracle God has granted you is the ability to be a leader? What if it is discernment between the spirits of what is right and what is wrong? Those are also miracles as well as gifts of the Holy Spirit. Here's a few more gifts of the Holy Spirit found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, 
but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And when it says as he wills there in conclusion, it's talking about the whole as the Holy Spirit wills, not as we desire to have him will for us or as we desire to manipulate out of the Holy Spirit, who is also God. These are important gifts that he's given us, miracles, prophecy, uh, speaking in tongues, distinguishing between the spirits, wisdom, knowledge, faith. These are all gifts of the Spirit. These are all miraculous wonders that can be operational through you and I as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we accept the Holy Spirit as our helper into our lives. We can do even greater works than Jesus did while he was on this earth because the Holy Spirit will help us. And as a conduit of the miraculous, I can do even greater things than Jesus did. And I can just take one example of, of one of those things that we can see from the Bible. And that is Jesus was walking. There was a crowd of people around him. A woman with an issue of blood reached out and touched the hem of Jesus's garment. And in that moment, 12 years of a constant bleeding that she had in her body, she was instantaneously healed as a result of touching the hem of Jesus's garment. Now, fast forward several years, Jesus is no longer on this earth. He has died. He has rose from the dead. He has lived with the disciples for an additional 40 days before he was then carried up, ascended into heaven. And Peter is out working. He is out praying. He is out preaching. He is out talking with other people, encouraging them to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he did that, there was another man, Paul, who ended up coming to faith. And as a result of that, that man also worked in miracles. The miracle that Peter did was miracles that Peter was able to work were so great that when his shadow cast on people who were sick, they would recover. His shadow. Nobody had to touch Peter. The woman with the issue of blood had to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, but yet just a shadow of Peter touching a person that was sick, they would be made well. Paul had a handkerchief that could be passed around, and he prayed for it. And as that handkerchief was passed around, people were healed. When he wasn't even in the presence of that handkerchief, people were healed by that handkerchief. These are things that are found in the Bible that are greater miracles than what we saw happen with Jesus. And so how do we perform the miraculous? Well, I think that that follows up with what we then come to see Jesus talk about now, which is ask and it will be given to you. Uh, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. If you ask me anything, I will do it. He says that in verses 13 and 14 of John chapter 14. Now, is he saying that with limits? If you ask this, here's the limit. You're only allowed to ask me three things, three wishes I will grant you, and then no more. 
Is that what Jesus is talking about? No. No. Is he saying, if you're, if this is what you ask of me is totally dependent on how strong your faith is. Is that what he says? No. Is he say, it's an issue of your heart. Only if your heart is pure and right and no evil is inside your heart, then I will hear you and I will answer your prayer. Is that what he says? No. no. Uh, what about your belief scenario? If you fully believe and have no doubt, then I will hear your requests and I will perform the miraculous. Is that what he says? No, no he doesn't give any conditions, does he? And how is this different from what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8? Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receiveth, and he that seek findeth, and to him that knock, it shall be opened. This is also God's word where Jesus is talking about asking, seeking, and knocking. And if you ask, it will be given to you. If you knock, the door will be open to you. And if you seek, you will find it. How is this different from what Jesus is saying when he says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus, in fact, instead is saying multiple times, Ask of me, ask of me, and I will do it. In fact, there's a psalm that says, ask of me for the nations and I will give you the nations. However, what about those people who hear this passage of scripture? If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And they say, I want a million dollars. I want a sports car. I want the most expensive diamond necklace that there is in the world. And I'm going to ask it in Jesus's name. And so therefore he has to do it for me. What about that? What about it? Do they get it? No. Some do, some don't. Some do, some don't? Mm-hmm. Why? Because God knows our requirement. So he knows what to give and what to not. Yeah. God knows our requirements, knows what to give us and what to not. Some people make it happen. Some people by their hard work. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Make it happen. Yeah. Or thievery. Of course, of yeah. course, yeah. Like, I, I deserve that. Like, mm -hmm. I asked God for it and you have it. So God told me to tell you to give it to me. So there's a manipulation tactic. Um, yeah, that that's absolutely true. you can manipulate true. others to give things to you in the name of God, mm -hmm. which is ultimately yourself. Mm-hmm. But is that the context of which Jesus is talking about right here? No. No, no. Jesus' context here is, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you. I am going to leave you, but I'm going to not leave you alone. I'm going to send a helper. And the good news must go forth. The kingdom of God is going to continue to be established on this earth as it is being established in heaven. And as a result, anything you ask of me in accordance with God's kingdom, it will be done for you. That's the context of what Jesus is talking about here. When we take it another way, when we take it the way that Blair was just mentioning, which is very true that people take things in their own hands and they manipulate, they steal, they, they um, oppress 
people. They they even treat each other with such violent uh, hatred that in order to achieve their own kingdom on this earth, they take things into their own hands. That's kind of like a form of bribery. And so there's a few things that I want to say about bribery today, and they're found in four different passages of Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Second Chronicles 19, verse 7. Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be careful what you do, for there is no injustice with the Lord our God, or partially, or taking bribes. And Proverbs 17, verse 23. The wicked accept bribes in secret to pervert the course of justice. And then Proverbs 29, verse 4 says, By justice a king builds up the land, but he who exacts gifts tears it down. And these are the things that we can get ourselves caught up into doing because by my, let's take the example of taking, wanting a million dollars and saying, Jesus, give me a million dollars and expecting him to give me a million dollars. It doesn't fit into the context of what this conversation Jesus is having because it actually more often looks like I'm trying to control and or bribe God. God, if you give me a million dollars, then I will do this. God, if you give me a million dollars, then I will submit this. If you give me a million dollars, then I will be a child of God and I will worship Jesus and Jesus alone. We are manipulating or using a form of bribery in order to get what we want out of God. And that's not the way God works. Yes, that is the way the Greek gods work. Yes, that is the way the Hindu gods work. Yes, that is the way uh, Buddhism works is if you empty yourself and uh, sacrifice enough and and cut yourself enough and give up enough things, then God will eventually give you something. But that's not what Jesus says here. He says, for the miraculous to happen, all you have to do is believe on me. All you have to do is ask it in my name. And as it is fulfilling the kingdom of God and the good news, the gospel message going forth, miracles, everything you ask for will be given to you. So what about the miracles that I ask for but go unanswered even though I have a pure heart and I believe what I'm doing is furthering God's kingdom? The miracles you believe that need to happen? That I believe need to happen and I think it's in accordance with God's will but yet I don't really see it answered the way that I thought it was going to be answered. What about those miracles? God grants those that are in the need of of that miracle there there are those that will receive and then there's those that won't and as a um believer and follower of christ we're to be content because the ultimate miracle is the sacrifice of christ jesus on the cross how he bled and he died for us and took on our sins our sins of this world upon himself that we could have life and life eternally with Christ Jesus forever. So that's the greatest miracle ever. And if we don't value that as a uh, 
born again believer, then we have to ask ourselves the question of why am I a follower of Christ? Because if we're constantly wanting more and more and more and more, Christ is enough. Mm. He's already paid the ultimate sacrifice. And that's a miracle. That is a miracle. Absolutely. And miracles aren't supposed to be for a personal gain. They're supposed to be for the betterment of the kingdom of God. And so in doing that, whenever you ask Christ for a miracle, you shouldn't be asking, I mean, you needn't be asking it for selfish reasons. Oh, if I get this miracle granted, then I'm going to be such a great person. And then people will come and listen to me speak and they'll worship me. But that's not what God wants because God wants us to worship him. Mm -hmm. I remember I used to pray, Lord, give me gifts of the miracle, like to heal mm -hmm. people. <laughs> and so I will heal lots of people. Yeah. They come to me. <laughs> I will become pastor or something. <laughs> it will not work like that. Yeah? You can pray for the gift, but <laughs> you, the main thing is you have mm -hmm. to pray to God first, like not to praise other people to come, come mm -hmm. to you. Right, right. Well, in the passage of scripture that Blair read that was found in 1 Corinthians, it says that all of these gifts the Holy Spirit wants to use through us as he, as he wills it, not as what we desire in order to make ourselves look good and build our ministry or our own kingdom on this earth or the name of our organization or the name of our church or the name of our denomination greater than everybody else's denomination. That's not what the Bible talks about at all. The Bible says that it's all for God's glory, not for a specific religious group's glory. It's all for God's glory. And even reading that saying it's all according to the Spirit's will, that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit only grants you one of those miraculous gifts. Correct. We all have the ability to perform every one of those giftings if the Holy Spirit wills it in that moment. And so in that, I mean, I've heard teaching where, oh, you're only, you're given the gift of prophecy. That means you have to prophesy and you can only prophesy. But that's not how it is. No. The Holy Spirit grants us all of the gifts whenever he wills it for us to use that gift. Absolutely. So whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Twice there, in those two verses of Scripture, Jesus says that these things must be asked in whose name? His name. His name. In Jesus' name. But have you ever noticed when we pray, sometimes what we pray for is for the betterment of a person? Oh, I ask this on behalf of so-and-so. I ask this for the betterment of the community. For me, this would be such a great miracle. So in my name, Jesus, please do this. But Jesus is talking about we're supposed to pray and ask these things in his name. These things will be done on behalf of him. He's the one that sits at the right hand of the Father. He's the one that we're to be praying in the name of. And so it's with these types of prayers that so often Blair and I, when we're praying, that's the way we pray. That's the way we've taught you guys to pray is to pray in Jesus's name. And do we always have to pray in Jesus's name verbally out loud or can we also pray silently in our minds? So we don't always have to have some image in front of us. 
in order to pray. We don't always have to have a verbal prayer. We can pray on behalf of Jesus or through Jesus's name in order to see the miraculous happen. Next, we see that it will be done and it will be done God's way. It doesn't always get done our way. Sometimes we think when we're making a request of God in prayer, we say, I want to close a, a deal in order to make $10,000 because I have somebody that will match that $10,000 so that that way I can launch my business here in Mahali. And so I have an idea in my mind of how that money which business is going to grant it, which deal I'm going to close. I have an idea, okay, this guy, this guy over here, he's the one that's the wealthier contract. And so if I keep on working for him, he's gonna be the one that's going to be able to help give me the money so that that way I can accomplish my goals and my dreams. And yet God goes and takes the person that I would have never expected to do it to actually fulfill that answer to prayer. And this happens more often than we actually expect because the idea of the answered prayer that I have in my mind may not be God's exact plan, but yet he still fulfills exactly what he says. Whenever you ask of me, I will give it to you. He doesn't say I'm going to do it exactly the way you think that I should do it because he's going to do it in accordance with his will. I'm reminded of several years ago, I want to say it's 30 years ago now, I heard people praying, wanting to pray for a certain part of the world. It was called the 420 window. And they wanted to pray for that area of the world longitudinally and latitudinally, and that they wanted to see these men and women within this area of the world come to faith in Christ and to have betterment in their lives. And they prayed 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 and they said, Lord, send missionaries there. Lord, let people rise up in that community over there. Let this happen and let it be done in Jesus's name. And they prayed and they've come away 30 years later thinking that that prayer wasn't answered. And yet what I've seen is in that area, I've seen that there's disturbances that have caused the people to be discontent with what's going on in their society and war has broken out and people have fled to other countries where they're now refugees and they're now being taken care of by people who are in the church if they're willing to take care of them and they're fleeing to america they're fleeing to europe they're fleeing to india and to china to try and escape the violence that's going on and if we would actually recognize that what god has done is he has answered our prayer from 30 years ago and we would actually take care of those men and women who have been so badly hurt and raped and pillaged and killed and seen their family members destroyed, we would see that those prayers from 30 years ago, they've come to fruition and God has answered them. He just happened to use us that were saying the prayers to answer them, not somebody else. Another thing I see in this passage of scripture is that the request and the answer are for God's glory. Now, we've talked about this, but I want to continue to look at it in the regards of that God must be glorified. And we see this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where Jesus is talking about how important it is for us to recognize the kingdom of heaven. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. By seeking the kingdom of heaven first, we will see all of our requests made and answered in accordance with God's will as we see his kingdom. We often forget that in this life, it is a gift from God. Therefore, our requests are for his glory and not our entertainment, popularity, or our reputation. It's his kingdom that matters. So when we talk about seeking first the kingdom of God, how do we do that? How do I seek first the kingdom of God? Is it just by spending all day in prayer and never doing any work? Is it by, like Aisha was even talking about earlier, like I would be a miracle worker and then I could become a pastor because I pray for people and they'll be healed. Is that seeking God's kingdom first? Or what is seeking God's kingdom first by being a student, by being a teacher, and by being a businessman or somebody who works in a call center? Reading the Bible every day, praying without ceasing, living our life as Christ-like as possible. And whenever you find there's something wrong, you try your best to correct that and you continue moving forwards. And you enact the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. I think I got them yes, all. Yes, you got them all. Patience, gentleness, kindness, faith, and self-control. I think I got them all. Anyways, and you do that in your everyday life. And you live that way, and you treat everybody the same. And if you have a bad day, that's okay. I mean, everybody has a bad day. So you should forgive yourself as well as forgiving others? Yes. Okay. Yes. If you have a profession that's different from being a minister or a pastor or an evangelist, does that all of a sudden change how you seek the kingdom of God? No. You can still live the same way without having to be a pastor or... Yeah, a pastor, missionary, or any of those other jobs. You can do it if you're a garbage picker, if you're in law, if you're doing anything else. I mean, it doesn't matter what career you're doing, as long as you seek first the kingdom of God. Absolutely, I agree. The next part of what Jesus said is he said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Have you ever noticed people invoke God and look like a Christian one place but then when you see them in another place, they're breaking God's commandments. Mm -hmm. Yes. Of course, you would never do that. That's only what other people do. Those same people then wonder why God does not answer their prayer requests. They wonder why people do not trust them. Then they look at everyone skeptically to the point of calling truth talkers liars. And because they are so guilty of their disobedience, they assume everyone else must also be as disobedient as they are. This in turn causes them to be critical of other people who don't bow to their every request and need. Have you ever noticed people that do that? Yes. Yes. And so when Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me, what Jesus is doing is he's bringing balance to our lives. I've heard people talk about wanting to have balance in their lives and, oh, how do I balance my life? How do I balance my schedule? How do I balance my relationships? How do I balance? And the answer is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The answer is to love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and obey him and obey his 
commandments. The imbalance of life is saying that you love Jesus, but your actions are proving completely opposite of that because all your actions do is self-pleasure. All you're doing is manipulating people in order to get things for yourselves. All you're doing self, all you're doing is trying to get something out of everybody else. And that's not what Christ is talking about. He has come to bring us balance in our lives. And the key thing of balance is John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Have you found that to be true in your life? Yes. Yes. Next, he says, he, it, he will ask the Father to give us a helper, and that helper is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be more than just your conscience. He will guide you in all truth. The helper is somebody who will help you. The Holy Spirit is someone who will help you physically, mentally, and emotionally. He is the one that will reveal truth from lies. He is the one that will bring discernment. He's the one that will provide for you. He's the one that will protect you. He's the one that will bring stability. And he is more than just a prayer language. There's a warning that Jesus then gives us. And he says this, the world will not see the Holy Spirit. That's a warning to us. If you come to faith in Christ and you accept him and he gives you the helper and the helper comes and abides inside of you, he is in you and you are in him. When you become one with the Holy Spirit, the world will not be able to see the Holy Spirit. The world won't understand the Holy Spirit. The world won't receive the Holy Spirit and the world won't know the Holy Spirit. So in that moment, you will become different from those of your, your friends and your family who are still a part of this world. Because when you accept Christ and when you are gifted the Holy Spirit as your helper, you are now accepting something that is different from what everyone around you has. This is a different gift. And I'll say it again, the Holy Spirit is more than God providing me with a fancy prayer language like speaking in tongues. Although if I do daily speak in tongues because I am filled with the Holy Spirit, which it's found in John chapter 14, verse 17 here, you know him for he dwells in you and will be in you. This is not proof of my spiritual superiority to everybody else. Speaking in tongues is simply a proof to me, a reminder to me, the one praying and speaking in tongues, that the Holy Spirit dwells in my body currently in that moment as I am fully submitted to Christ. And the Holy Spirit will prepare me for the day that is to come, for the day that I'm in the middle of, for the day as it comes to a close. The Holy Spirit will give me the words to speak when I am presenting the gospel message. The Holy Spirit will give me the ability to proclaim the kingdom of God. He will work miracles through me because he is the miracle worker and I am a vessel for his use. Even though I am not a robot under his control or an algorithm that he is using in order to make sure that I do exactly what he says when he says it, I am still 100% have the ability to do my will, but when I submit myself to the Lord and the Holy Spirit is working in me, then I have the opportunity to do so many more great things. 
What do, what do you think about all of those things when it comes to the Holy Spirit, when it comes to asking Jesus whatever uh, it is within his kingdom, uh, making requests to him and he He grants them and, and the fact that we pray in Jesus's name and the Holy Spirit is more than just a prayer language. What What does that do for you? Does that encourage you? Does that excite you? Does that uh, help you to walk throughout the day a little bit stronger? Lastly, Jesus says in this passage of scripture we read today that we're not orphans. When Jesus died, rose, and after 40 days with the disciples, ascended into heaven, he did not leave us alone. He gifted us the person of the triune Godhead, the Holy Spirit, who dwells with and in me. I'm not left alone on this earth to fend for myself. I am not left here to sacrifice in order to manipulate God into giving me what I want, need, or for protection. The Holy Spirit is proof of God's every present moment right here with me. I am a miracle of God, given the ability to perform miracles among my own community to bring glory and honor to God and his kingdom. As I daily pray in order to better know my creator, there are times that I will make requests. Those are accomplished in Jesus' name for the furtherance of God's kingdom. May I daily recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit, my helper, and God with me daily, being thankful that I am not alone ever. But most importantly, may I seek to know you more, Lord Jesus. Mallory, will you close us in prayer? Thank you, Jesus, for today and for every single day, and that everybody will have a great time every single day. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. amen.